Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello, and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Today's guest is Erica Mueller. Hello, Erica. Hi. Hey, good to talk to you. I'm going to read a little bit of your bio for our listeners. Great. Erica Mueller has traveled, explored, risked, fallen, and flourished, and so have you. We all have colorful lives, and Erica believes we're all made of similar threads. She's not afraid of being real, and she welcomes it. She's called to living fully by the sheer depth of life, the unexpected, an insatiable wonderlust. Every single mountain vista, stretches of coastline, sandalwood and rose, the perfect cappuccino, and private moments captured on camera. These are her endless muses. Erica is a photographer, and through the years, she's published in magazines such as Vanity Fair, In Style, The Hollywood Reporter, People, U.S. Weekly, so many more. She's shot for the Golden Globes, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Sony, CBS Television, Lilith Fair. I want to know more about that. (laughs) And yeah, and TEDx, which is how I met Erica in Asheville. This um, few months ago, yeah, when you were a photographer for the Asheville TEDx event. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, welcome. Thank you so so much. I'm happy to be here. So grateful to have you here. And your Mm -hmm. photography is so truthy. And so today we're talking about standing in your truth. And um, I believe from what... I am getting to know of you that you are really asking people to stand in their truth, both through your work and how you also embody and present yourself in the world. Hmm. That's what I've seen. So good. (laughs) So I want to share that we met on a sidewalk when um, I was getting a little video taken for TEDx and you were helping with the video and doing some photography. And um, Erica was like, well, what do you do, Sarah? And I talked about embodied breath. And then she said, well, I have this project called the Embody Project. And um, I looked it up as soon as I got into my car, actually, <laughs> right? I left the sidewalk, got into my car. I looked it up and I was like, holy moly, this is so powerful. (laughs) I'm looking at pictures of naked people on the internet. These really powerful, um, truth filled photos. And there's like nothing more truthy and vulnerable than being naked. And so let's start with the embody project. Great. Great. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) yeah, the embody project is really my passion work in this world. Um, and, and it's really the truest expression of me and my own journey and struggle, um, in terms of accepting my body as it is and myself as it is certainly as a woman in this culture. Um, I'm sure so many of us can relate. We're given from the time we can remember really strong messages about who and how we're supposed to be, especially around our appearance and especially around our bodies. And I came into this world a very, very sensitive person. And I took those messages to heart, like kind of unfortunately, but fortunately for my work in the world, um, I see all, all of it was a part of my path, but it was a very painful path for decades and decades. So um, I just, 
I struggled with eating disorders as a teenager. I struggled with feeling like I didn't fit in. I struggled with feeling different. Although I think most people from the outside would look at me and not see anything different or stand outy about me. Mm-hmm. I, I had a different experience of myself, which was I didn't, I didn't fit the model that I had been given by my culture and the world around me and the media magazines that I was drawn to at the time. I didn't look like that and it bothered me. And I, um, I struggled so much with that. Um, and gosh, I mean, there are so many experiences that kind of went into this place in me through the eating disorders and then being in treatment for eating disorders and coming out of treatment and relapsing and just feeling like I could not get out of this, um, what, what the embodiment was for me was an embodiment of being disembodied. Like that's what I was embodying at the time into my twenties and thirties. I had a series of partnerships that underscored that I happened to be, of course, perfectly drawn to men who also bought into the ideal female that was given to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In in the media as well. And so there was, you know, kind of fast forward into my mid thirties, there was a partner that I had, um, I was living in San Francisco. I moved to Los Angeles to be with this partner and started working on the red carpet and doing all of that stuff that you mentioned in my bio, you know, Mm. being published in magazines and shooting premieres and being like in the middle of this Hollywood kind of like golden world, which was also really fake (laughs) and Hollywoody. And I felt at once in the middle of it all and totally separate from it all, even more so. Um, I kind of loved it and hated it at the same time. It was, it was such a great formative experience. And then simultaneously, this partner said to me one day on the phone, um, I, I have to tell you something. I realized that I'm not attracted to your body. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was the very thing that you had. Exactly. Been terrified of, I mean, the bottom dropped out of literally of my being at that moment that he said that because it was my worst fear realized. Exactly. And so I, I really was thrown into what do I do about this? You know, I, I believed him because I'd been practicing believing that my body wasn't good enough. And so there he was confirming that we got the, the man that I loved at the time. Um, And he wasn't saying that he didn't want to not be in relationship with me. He was actually very honestly acknowledging his struggle to, to find his way in, in this place of like, I have an idealized version of the female body that you don't fit into. Like, what do I, what do I do? He was saying. So for me, just being a photographer and being an artist, I went there to start my healing. And the thing that I started with was self portraiture. Um, I, I, I realized that looking in the mirror wasn't going to help me because that was where I saw all my flaws. But it was really clear to me that when I looked at art of women's bodies, like paintings or, you know, art from, from the 18th century and then, and the 19th century and the 17th century, like there were way different kinds of idealized feminine forms throughout the artistic ages that I found beautiful. And I thought, what, like, what's, What's up with that? Why can't I look at my body and see it as a work of art? Probably because I'm looking at it in the mirror and that's a different kind of reflection. Right. So, and so like how many years had this been? I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to ask oh, that's like, fine. how many years, I mean, this was like a couple decades at this point that you had been struggling with body image. Yeah. Yeah. I was in my mid thirties. So I've been struggling yeah. since I was a young teenager. So yeah, yeah like 20 years I've, 20 I've been years. practicing that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so by yourself, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It was a well-worn path for me in my mind. You know, a path yes. of thinking like, just I don't, I don't fit in. I'm not enough. I don't live up to the ideal. I don't look like that. You know. Thank you. So yeah, yeah. so I started doing self-portraits, um, and in as many different like modes, modalities that I could, like I sculpted a little miniature of, of my body and Mm -hmm. I photographed my body and I painted my body and I drew my body. Um, I tried to just make as many different kinds of art out of what I saw as I could, that was realistic and also interpretive. And it helped a lot. It helped a lot to take it away from the mirror and into an artistic representation. Well, you're involving the subconscious. You're, you're like going back to something visceral, something real. Yes. 
Yeah. And something also that's like somehow once removed from my sense of identity and more engaged in an identity of it being a work of art and not mine, quote unquote, but like, it's like a representation of me. And I realized even looking in the mirror is a representation of me. You know, when I look in the mirror in the morning or in the evening or whether I'm dressed or not dressed or how I'm dressed is, is, it's different every time. So there's, there's not even any real, any such thing as a real reflection of, mm. of me. You know, so I started just like having all these different experiences of like, Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And, and the thing that, even though this was all very, very helpful and a really important part of my journey of becoming embodied, it, what it didn't provide for me was putting myself into the context of other bodies as well. I knew that there was, I mean, obviously we all know there's a vast spectrum of humanity from skinny all the way to really large, from light all the way to dark, from male to female, from old to young. Like we all understand that, of course, conceptually, Mm -hmm. but I needed to see myself in relationship with those bodies somehow. And I needed to see those bodies in relationship to me. And it, and it needed for me to not be those idealized versions of female sexiness and awesomeness that we are, that we're being fed by the media all the time. It needed to be real. It needed to be much more inclusive. It needed to be not sexualized. I needed it to be desexualized, which didn't mean it wasn't sexual or sexy. I just, I wanted to see bodies that weren't trying to be sexy, Mm. right? Like, or trying to be something like putting on a pose Mm -hmm. um, of some sort of like, look at me. I I needed to just take all of that apart. Mm. So I had the idea for this project, like, God, just wouldn't it be awesome to have a place to go online where I could see all of these different kinds of bodies that I never get to see, right? (laughs) So you created it. (laughs) Yeah. So I created it and I started with my friends, you know, like I started with the easy place. I had some, you know, living in Asheville, I had some pretty open-minded friends and I started having these conversations and telling them about the project and several of them immediately were like, yeah, totally. I'll do that. Mm. Um, I also realized that it was important to me to hear the stories of the people whose bodies we were looking at, that it was, that was, it needed to be for me much more than just a photo that we're looking at, but also I wanted to sort of go deeper with all of these people because I also understood that everybody has their own version of struggle with self-love and self-acceptance. And it's often tied to our appearance. Right. I actually want to ask you to go deeper with the definition of embody, because Mm -hmm. I think um, for, for decades of my life and my relationship with my body, I didn't know that I wasn't embodied. I did not even know that embodiment was a thing. Right. You know, and I think that this really speaks to our disconnection from the sacred feminine. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go there in this conversation, but you know, we're, we are made of matter. And when we are not in that connection with our bodies, um, it's a disconnect from the sacred feminine. But can you talk about life before embodiment and mm-hmm. life after embodiment? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, what's, yeah. what's so great about that question too, is like the first thing it makes me think is that, and for me anyway, it's not an event that happened. Oh, correct. It, yes. Right. So for me, there wasn't like a one day I wasn't embodied and then I was, and I was like, I can check that box and I'm done forever. Right. Thank you. So- yeah. We really <laughs> want to just, for all of the women listening, like all of this is a process. Lifelong. Process and lifelong and lifelong. Yeah. So, so, so worthy. And so, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. this is a little taste of embodiment. And this is yeah. a little taste of embodiment. And yeah. it's always changing. It's such a moving target because of course we're getting older and our life experiences are shaping us and our relationships are shaping us and our bodies are changing all the time. They get smaller and bigger and softer and more muscular and all of that, like all of the time. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of it. I think for me, if there is any kind of before and after, it's like once there was a time when I held up an ideal of, of embodiment, like a, 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 like a physical embodiment for myself that I didn't live up to. And then I realized that is not the point. Like that is not what this is about. And, and for me, embodiment is 
a much more personal experience of living in this ever-changing body and mind and heart and soul mm-hmm. and not like a fixed picture of a thing that I'm supposed to match. Like that's what it is for me. And it's such a great juicy um, topic embodiment because everybody has their own relationship to it and their own definition of it. And that's one of the questions that I ask participants of the Embody Project in the interview that we do. The first question I ask them is what does embodiment mean to you? And no two people have ever answered that question the same way which I think is so cool. Fascinating. And so yeah. you captured some of those answers in a book, correct? Yes, I captured, yeah. The whole okay. project is in a book. So there's photos and then there's the writing that people do. They all write their own, um, they write about their own experience in their bodies. And um, yeah, and some of the, like, we have some videos that we've done and and I have these interviews that I've done with each and every participant that helps them to go deeper in their experience of participating in the project and their own experience of embodiment. And it's all it's all a part of it. And it's, you know, just to be clear for me, the project is really, really nothing but an invitation for the participants, for the viewers, for anybody who is drawn to it or is looking at it or is interacting with it in any way. It's an invitation to just check it out, like check out what embodiment feels like, check out what is it like to be in your body, check out what comes up for you when you see naked bodies just look, just, just pay attention, just notice. It's, it's not for me at all that there is somewhere that you are, that anyone is supposed to get to by being in the project or looking at the project. It's just an invitation to look deeper. It's an invitation to look deeper. And I'll share that when I was on the website in preparation for this podcast, the first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, this woman's the real deal. You know, I was like, wow, I can't wait to see what this is really about. And then when I was looking at it um, last evening, I was really feeling into what was coming up for me, just like what you're saying Mm -hmm. and looking at these pictures of these bodies, but also looking at and asking myself questions like, what would I feel in this situation if I were in front of this camera and, Mm. you know, how am I loving my body right now? Mm -hmm. And how am I in front of a camera with clothes on versus how would I be in front of a camera with clothes off, you know? And it was actually just asking myself those questions last night. There was, there was even a tender moment of, Like, am I going to feel, you know, the body shame or am I going to love myself in this moment? Mm -hmm. And to choose love in that moment was just, it was really beautiful. And I kind of had a moment with myself, you know, just looking at these photos. And so I love that. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And that's, that's, I think the power of these, this, this kind of work. And there are so many different versions of this kind of work that just really sort of confront us and show us where we are with something. Even if we think, Oh, I, I know what embodiment is. I, I, I got that handled, you know, like right. you may find yourself confronted with something like the embody project that makes you go, Oh, is that true? Like, how would I really feel about that? And that doesn't even mean that, you know, you should participate, you know, it's just like, just what you just said is part of the embody project that you found those questions in yourself and you had a moment of tenderness with yourself like that. That's it too. That's the embody project too. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And loving your body. Well, we don't want to tell anybody what well, to do. You might yeah. love your body and you might not. But like that was right. my tender moment last night. I was that like my body really changed this year. I didn't do as well of a job taking care of it in my judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just didn't have mm-hmm. sure. taken care of it this year. And, you know, there's like, oh, this is where it is. This is where I am. And, yeah. um, and, and so being in that relationship and choosing to be like, oh, yeah, I love the squishy belly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, maybe it'll not be a squishy belly again, but like, um, yeah, right now I'm going to embrace it, you know? Yeah. If we're talking about standing in your truth and Mm -hmm. you're a photographer and you've taken these 
really, I'll, I'll say raw pictures, you know, like really just stripped down of all pretense pictures. I'm wondering if you'll share some of what you discovered people's experience was in, in standing in their own truth yeah. in this way, like through this project and, and maybe through the Embody project. And then even maybe just speaking about this, if you want to, just through the lens of a photographer, you know, how do you capture people standing in their truth? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, and it's interesting. I think the more I, the more I do, like the longer, you know, I've been doing, I've been a photographer for about 20 years. So it's, it's been a pretty long career um, and it, it will hopefully go as long as I live, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's, I find that the, in the work that I have done with the Embody project and the work that I do when I shoot weddings or when I shoot portraits or when I shoot even events, that it's actually the same work that I'm doing, which is all about connection. And it's all about holding a space of love for the people that are in front of my lens. Like that's really what it comes down to for me. And then how it's expressed is different depending on if it's in the project or if it's not in the project, but it really is the, in its essence, the same. And I think in, to answer your question about, you know, how, what is the experience like for people in the Embody project and doing these photo shoots where there is raw truth that's being invited? Um, This is something that I never promise but I always witness an experience with participants, which is there is a transformation in the moment that they become free and joyful in the photo shoot. I don't think I've had the experience yet with any participant in the project where that hasn't happened to, to mm-hmm. some degree. Um, people come into the project for all different reasons. Some people are celebrating, say that they, you know, just finished chemotherapy and they're cancer free. Some people are struggling with something profoundly in their, in their body or in their life. Um, Some people are, are relatively neutral. Like they're like, I don't know. I always loved my body. I think this is, this sounds like fun, you know, and they're not really like, Mm. you know, dealing with something around their body, but regardless of how they're coming in they're you know i think everybody's a little bit nervous because they don't know what to expect but when we connect and when they really step into and feel this incredibly loving space where nothing is expected of them nothing is expected anything is possible there is this tremendous like dropping of all of the fear and concern and this like liberation happens um, yeah. And it's really amazing to be present and witness that and then be able to capture that with my camera. It's, it's amazing. It really is. It, every single time it brings me to tears <laughs> every yes. single time. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah. through the connection and through the space that you're providing mm-hmm. and then they get it like, oh my gosh, right here, I have the permission. And then there's a probably, well, definitely a point of giving the self personal permission to go for it. And really yeah. the moment. Yeah. Which, which is something that I say, I make sure that I communicate that early on in our conversations. You know, we've already with each participant, I go through a lot, like there's emails, there's phone calls, there's an interview, there's, you know, questions answered and questions asked. And we already have a relationship um, developed in the, in the project before they even get to their photo shoots part. So I think that helps a lot in, in establishing trust and they understand and they can feel that that space is really solid for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really important. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I I haven't really expanded the project to include like other photographers and other, you know, Mm -hmm. other, other people contributing because I haven't known how to communicate the essential importance of that. Yeah. Right. That is the key to the whole thing. And then, and then holding the space for whatever comes up, you know, st- right. sometimes things really come up for people. And I just am always like completely right accepting. Yeah. Completely right yeah. there available. We, we put the camera down and we, and we go there if there's something right. that comes up to whatever you know, truth is coming up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's not for me, there's no agenda other than 
just bring what's there for you here and, and let's be here with that together, whatever that is. Yeah. Right. Which is like a beautiful metaphor for your invitation for like what you're inviting all people in, (laughs) in their lives, you know? Yes. Yes. What is exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah, It's powerful. Yeah. It is so powerful. Thank you for doing that work. Oh, it's such a, it's an honor. Truly. It's truly the biggest honor of my life. Yes. I was uh, doing a little workshop at Leaf a couple weekends ago and I do this um, authenticity workshop and I ask people, why do you, why are you coming to this workshop? What drew you in? Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, well, it's so um, hard to be vulnerable and to stand in my truth, but I really want practice in this. Mm -hmm. And so I take them through a series of exercises where we come into the body and the breath, and then we start to share truths. And then we start out small and then it gets into truthier truths. (laughs) And you can see that with more connection, more comfortability, um, and more permission, people start to step into the personal permission and there's more smiling and there's relaxed body language. Yeah. Oh yeah. I really tried to get across this time that offering your truth is a gift to the person who's receiving it. Like when you're standing in your truth and you are giving a a piece of yourself, um, you're making an offering to the world and the other person is getting to receive that authenticity. And so I think for all the fear that we feel around owning our truth, we have to remember what medicine is when we do open up and, uh, you know, take the risk of being vulnerable and stepping into our truth. And then other people experience that and we kind of spread the permission Yes. Yeah. And isn't that the biggest surprise about being vulnerable and taking that risk to open ourselves up is when it's received with that spirit of gratitude, like, thank you for giving me the gift of your vulnerability. It's like this huge, I can feel it right now, like this huge part of us relaxes and goes like, oh, Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) Like we, we know that because we've experienced it on the other side, like receiving that gift. But when it's our turn to be vulnerable and take that risk and be, you know, courageous, which actually is more like vulnerability in the moment for sure. And fear in the moment, but it, it has that impact on someone else. And we become aware of that impact. It's, it's like, it changes, I think our lives, like it's changed my life so many times. And I think it's, it's the kind of work that you're doing inviting people into that space and holding that space for them and inviting them to be vulnerable and asking questions and then reflecting back to them that it's a gift. It's, it's that that helps people to get stronger in being vulnerable and just be more comfortable in that discomfort. And I think that's so, so important for us all. Yeah. We're all kind of practicing this and, and um, coming back together and relating in deeper and deeper ways and sharing our truths. And I really want to thank you for, you know, coming on and you're telling the story and you're talking about a history of eating disorders and, and you're sharing a really deep personal truth. And you're also, yeah, I mean, deep, right? Like there were years Mm -hmm. of suffering. Totally. And there are listeners who are still in some, some piece of that soul suffering that that's like trying to figure out, well, how am I going to step into what I want to own, but don't know how. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for sharing your journey of, there were all of these years of, of authentic suffering. And Mm -hmm. then I went after my own embodiment and, you know, almost as, I mean, it was crucial. Yeah. That's what, that's what I heard without you saying that. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, we have well, to, we have to go after it. We have to, because it's, it's the thing that hurts the most. I think that's, that's the thing. It's the thing that hurts us the most. That's the thing that was such a shocker for me when the Embody Project idea was born was like, oh my God, it never occurred to me that the thing that I struggled the very most with, which was loving myself and loving my body could be the thing that would connect me with the most people in the most authentic way in the most beautiful way through my natural like gifts and talents and joy and creativity through photography like that my greatest suffering 
is my greatest work on this planet. Like what? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my mind, (laughs) I I really want to slow that way down for folks because so much of our time spent suffering, we're just trying to obliterate the source of the suffering. And we don't realize that it's like our superpower. I was in, uh, like a session uh, or, you know, whether it be shamanic or therapeutic, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And someone was like, you know, we were back with my nine-year-old self, you know, if you've done that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And, and there was like this thing that I wish I would have heard from my parents. Right. But like, you're a little person, you don't hear the things from your parents and then it affects your life. And so the, the, practitioner was like, well, what would you offer? What wisdom would you offer this nine-year-old self? And the wisdom that came up and out of me in that moment was, this is going to be your superpower one day. Oh my God. (laughs) Because she had said, say it like you're going to say it to a nine-year-old. I have a 10-year-old son. So I was like, oh, I know how to talk to a nine-year-old. And and that's just when it came in. It was like, this is your superpower. All of this that you struggle with and that you've struggled with for decades. You know, the thing that challenges the soul, I really truly believe is the thing that we came here to learn so that we can offer it back. Yes. Yes. Amen. It's, it's astounding. It really is. And it's so amazing when that realization happens. It's so awesome that you were able to express it in those, like those words, perfect for your nine-year-old too. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think if I were to do that, I haven't done exactly that exercise, but the thing that comes up for me is you're not alone. No, that's what I needed to hear when I was struggling and suffering the most, because I did think I was a total, like, like I was the only one. I didn't know that there were other people struggling with the same thing. And that's the, that, yeah, that's the thing that I actually really love. And I I mean, love isn't even a strong enough word. It's like, I'm, I'm, I almost feel like I was born to just be with people where they are because I needed that the most when, when I didn't have it as a, as a child and as a teenager and as a young woman and to be able to offer that presence and that sacred witnessing to people wherever they are through my lens and through my, my being is, is such an honor and such a, um, a gift to me. Yes. Yes. And I know it's a gift to them too, but I don't really approach it that way, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah. Let's talk about that path of isolation for just a moment, because I think if there's one reason I'm doing this podcast, it's because of that path of isolation. Because when I was walking back, like after having lost a daughter to adoption and, um, you know, being so disembodied and just really focused on what I could know in my head and achieve in terms of um, societal achievement and that kind of thing, high, high anxiety. And then I started remembering like this, mm-hmm. this process of sacred remembering. I did not call it that then. I had no idea what was going on. I was getting these little hints of like, this is not okay. And I don't want to feel like this forever. Mm-hmm. And my path back to myself was really isolated Like it was really lonely. It was like in the dark and I had really amazing helpers. So I wouldn't say that it was lonely, but I was a woman who was um, like, well, I'm going to try out this intuition class and I'm going to read this, but you know, it's like this uh, discovery. And I think that if we talk about it more, um, we would not heal in isolation. It wouldn't take as long <laughs> to get back to that like truth of our soul and why we're here and what we're here. Yeah, to do. I do. yeah, absolutely. I think there is such a core suffering that happens for many, if not most of us that has some version of I'm alone. I'm all yeah. alone. Nobody knows. Nobody else is going through this. And I think we live in an age right now where we're so blessed to have access to so many different kinds of teachers and teachings and modalities and healers and, you know, websites and courses and books and (laughs) you name it. There's so much available where I I think people can can see some kernel of their own suffering or struggle in somebody else's. And that one little connection and it it is not little at all. It's tremendous for somebody who otherwise feels alone. And I think you're right. Like that's um, this, that's that's why this podcast, right? That's why the embody project, that's why we, we, we offer what we offer is to alleviate some of that suffering if at all possible. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think I have one more question, but we'll see if another one arises. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, so when I talk about personal truth, a question that I hear a lot from women is, well, what is the truth? And how big does the truth have to be? And, um, you know, how do I know a truth when I stumble upon one? And how do I learn to stand in it? And and we've talked about that to some extent, but I'm curious if you could talk about your relationship with the word truth or standing in a truth mm-hmm. and um, maybe even how that definition changes for mm-hmm. you. Wow. That is a, the biggest, juiciest question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you think? Maybe. (laughs) Goodness gracious. I think, um, I mean, it's interesting. I, my relationship to truth, um, I would have to say is that I, my perspective is that it's all relative. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a big believer in like capital T truth. Like there's like a truth that I yeah. believe in. Right. Although if, if we talk a lot longer about it, I could probably find one or two examples yeah. <laughs> that, that like maybe, maybe just, <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe, but maybe that's just a concept. I don't right, know. Right. right? Yeah. So there's this, I, I have. Philosophical. Exactly. And I, and I have this sort of like inner built in inner skeptic. That's always like, well, is that true? Kind of like Byron Katie style. Like, is it true? Can we absolutely know that's true? And I love that. I love being able to take things apart. And, but so in terms of truth, I, I, I have to come back to my own experience. That is the only thing that I can use to verify something. And I don't, I'm not interested in anything else that I can't verify from my experience. Mm. And I, I've arrived at that place after many, many years of believing what somebody else was telling me more than I believed my own experience. Um, like taking wow. what somebody else is telling me on as truth, whether that's a teacher, like a, an official teacher or a, someone in a spiritual community or, uh, you know, somebody that's highly revered or somebody that's in my life. Like if there was a truth that they were saying is a truth, I would be like, yes, uh-huh. Okay. I get it. That's truth. And I suffered because of that for years right? because I couldn't like rectify that with my own experience. And I actually, this was, this is, this goes right back to full circle back to just after the Embody project was kind of born in me and just had started. I um, found myself after like, ed- like ending a painful relationship and being in a very solo, like month long kind of, deep dive personal retreats of my own making, which had me hiking every day, writing every day, just completely. I I felt like I was rinsing off of me and washing off of me all of those years of that painful relationship. And the thing that came up the strongest for me during that time was pledging fidelity to my own personal experience. Like that was my work of that period of time. And it was, so necessary and so helpful because it, it just alleviated me of like having to take on or feeling like I had to take on any other version of quote unquote truth that didn't actually speak to me. Right. Amazing. And it does often come in that reflection of a relationship gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. I mean, like those are some (laughs) of our best teachers, right? Because because it hurts and it's definitely not, not what we wanted. Um, Although we're there for really specific reasons. And I can always say that with ease looking way back on them, you know? Um, But I don't know if that actually answers your question. I think for, so for me, it's just like truth is a living, breathing, ever evolving, ever changing thing. And it totally depends on me checking in with me about it. Well, and I just want to like highlight how badass that is. <laughs> <laughs> that is so not a word I would have used for it, but I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm thinking, whoa, how long does it take us to get there? I mean, it takes, right. and it's just, it's, this is sacred remembering this. Right. Remembering. It's remembering who we are and standing in that and standing in that and saying, oh, actually I gave that part of myself away. I'm going to take that back now, please. Yeah. And, 
yeah. oh, I believed that teacher or that book before myself. And so I'm going to take that back now, please. And so why right. I said uh, it was badass, I am not a very good uh, word by word quoter. But, um, <laughs> Par- a paraphraser so, is good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it makes me so nervous to try to quote exactly. Uh, so don't, don't try. Yeah, just, just don't do it. <laughs> but you said something like, if I can't verify it through my personal experience, then it's not yeah. a truth for me. And I just for feel me, like yeah. that switches the whole paradigm of go to school, learn all the answers, be something like you just swapped it on its head. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to. That. Yeah. yeah. I did. I had to, at that point, it was like how I saved my life. Oh. <laughs> Having oh. given myself away so fully, that was how yeah. I saved my life. And, and what was what was and is great about that for me too, is that it just helps me to remember that it's also always changing my, my truth through my experience, because I have new things in my experience every day. So what I thought was true yesterday may not be what I think is true tomorrow about something because I now have more information. So it allows me to be a lot more gentle too. When I look back on things that I did or relationships that I was in or mistakes that I made or things that I didn't do, you know, it's like, well, I, I kind of come from that school of thought that says we're all doing the best we can with what we have available in any moment and what we know then that doesn't mean we aren't going to know something new in the next moment that's going to change right. everything. But then we evolve. like, yeah, we're always evolving. And I, and so for me, I think if I'm always evolving, it makes sense that my truth and, and what truth resonates with me is also always evolving. Yes. And as long as I check back in with me, then like, I'm, that's, that's all that matters for this life is, you know, is me checking in with me and, orienting accordingly, like in any given moment. Yes. Yeah. And really honoring what you hear. That is so powerful. Yeah. And so many things that our listeners can glean from, from your wisdom throughout this podcast. But I am wondering if you have anything else that you would like to say directly to the women listeners who are Mm looking at, you know, embodying their truth or owning the truth of who they are. And yeah, any just encouragement or final words that you would offer today? Yeah. Thank you for that invitation. I think the first thing that comes to mind is allow yourself to be surprised. Allow yourself to look in places you haven't thought to look before. Um, You know, it's, it's, the path is not always obvious and it's not all, it's not always a path. (laughs) Like it doesn't look like a path sometimes. And I think starting with where you are and what it is that you're like already interested in or curious about curiosity. Yeah. That's it. I, I love, there was something that Liz Gilbert said that I loved so much and I, maybe you've heard it and I'm of course not going to try to quote her because that would be dangerous for me. Right. Yes. (laughs) But she said, she used to talk about, and she talks about this in a podcast. She used to talk about um, passion, you know, follow your passion, that kind of thing, which is a really popular thing that you hear around. And, And she had some lady, some woman like commented on her Facebook page, I think, and said like, it was this long post and it was like, dear Liz, basically like you suck and you ruined my life because you told me to follow my passion and I don't have one. And she kind of went on to describe all that. And it, and Liz talks about how she just like, it stopped her in her tracks. Yeah, it was because, like passion and purpose, right? Yes, purpose. exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she realized like she'd been hurting people inadvertently by talking about passion because a lot of people don't know what their passion is or don't think that they have one. And so she basically decided to change her whole kind of modality. Cause she was like, you're right. It's not about passion. It's about curiosity. Like what, like yeah. everyone's got curiosity, not everyone necessarily has a passion or knows that they have one, but everyone's got curiosity. So she, right. she, I just love that because um, it takes the pressure off. And I think that there's, there's just, it's like, this is the, the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be concise in answering your question and not doing a great job of it, but we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Great. It's the all day podcast. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, just limit a woman's truth. No. Right. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just, I think 
just from my own experience, like I was super surprised by what my path unfolded into. And I was looking for something else, uh, something that looked different than what it actually looks like. And that includes once the project came into being and continued on, it has not followed um, a path that makes any sense to me. Like it's more like tides. That's kind of how the Embody Project has been. And maybe this is helpful for people to hear because there's not a lot out there when you're talking about your life or your business or your, you know, your path and your spirituality, it's supposed to be like ever forward moving and kind of, you know, straight, right? Like it goes somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And following the paths that are laid out, you know, right. Well, bachelors, then masters, like that kind of path. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's just really not how it works or fortunately, that's just not how it always works. And for the project, it's been like the tide comes in and there's a whole bunch of activity and a whole bunch of interest and it goes around the world. And like, there's a video and there's a whatever. And then the tide goes out like, and I'm not, nothing's different that I'm doing. It's just the tide goes out and it's like, nothing's happening for a while. And then the tide eventually comes back in and like, I'll do like this, a podcast or something, the tide will come in and then the tide will go out again. And I've really had to learn, um, really had to learn. And I keep having to learn to let that be okay. Mm -hmm. And to not think that something's wrong with Mm -hmm. that. Like tides are, just cycles and seasons. And, you know, it's, it's like the, the cyclical nature of this, of everything, right. Of everything. And I think learning that this path is more like a season or a cycle or a tide is, has helped me to stay with it rather than think when the tide went out that I should abandon it or close it down. Um, I just, yeah. So it's, it's just been really helpful. I haven't heard or seen any other versions of that out there. So there have, there haven't been any mentors for me in terms of like helping me to orient to that perspective, but I've just had to notice that that's what's happening and allow that to happen. Right. Well, it's the feminine mystery, yeah. right? And that's what yeah. you're talking about incorporating at the core. Yeah. When I'm working with clients, we're talking about, um, you know, following the hint of what wants to happen next. And so one of the activities that my clients practice is just asking themselves what wants to happen next, mm-hmm. what wants mm-hmm. to happen next. And we can do this on a Saturday afternoon, you know, with like, yeah. when we have an hour of unstructured time, what yeah. does want to happen next? Oh, I want to pick up markers. Huh. When's the last right. time I wanted to pick up markers? Oh, I want to use red. Huh? <laughs> like you're just following <laughs> these, like these breadcrumbs, you know? Like, yeah. Right. right. So, huh. I want to pick up a camera. Huh. I want to start playing with clay. You know, it's yeah. like, we don't have to know why these things want to happen. Um, yeah. I think more and more, it's my opinion that it's our obligation to follow them. You yeah. know, as a yeah. I mean, what you said earlier was so powerful when you said it's how you saved your life. Yeah. Like, coming back to yourself is how you saved your life. And that's what following that mystery, following the crumbs, following the curiosity, yeah. it's going to save your life. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think what's also beautiful and kind of amazing about life is that there are always a million options. Like there isn't any have to, Mm -hmm. there is just, you can, if you want to, and if you don't, something else will happen. You know, it's like, if you do something will happen. And if you don't something, you know, if you do, it will lead to something. And if you don't, it will lead to something. So it's not like you can get it wrong. I don't, I don't think there's any way for us to step off of our path. Like our path is what we're doing in any given moment. And it isn't anywhere else other than what we're doing. And there's something really like, um, like a relief about that. Like we can't do it wrong. Can't get it wrong. Can't get it wrong. It's not possible. Right. Just, it just leads to this or to that. Right. You know, and like, we don't even know. Lead yes. home. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All roads lead home. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that the invitation is always there. Like life is always offering that invitation. And I love that question. What wants to happen next? Because it's, it's asking us to look and listen and lean in rather than, you know, distract ourselves. Right. 
I right. love and, that. Yeah. And following even the little truths, even yeah. the little truths of the moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Erica, so grateful for you uh, being on here and dropping all of this truth. Will Gosh. you please tell us where we can find you online for folks going yes. to want to learn more about you and what you're creating? Absolutely. So the Embody Project is embodyproject.com, just like it sounds. Um, and there's a lot on there to, to check out. So there, there's videos and and other stuff other than just the photos. Yeah. Uh And then um, my other work is um, visible on ericamuller.com and that's E-R-I-C-A-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That's my non-naked work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Weddings and events. And you traveled the world for photos. Yes, I do. I love, love that more than anything. I love traveling. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a vision for the Embody Project too, is to continue doing it in other cultures and in other countries. I've been to the Netherlands um, there to do the Embody Project. And I just would love to hear from people in all different cultures to see what their experience is like in their bodies. Hmm. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing planet we live on. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I cannot wait to get the book. Thank you for what you do. Of course. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast and I'm so honored to be a guest. And it's it's always just a pleasure speaking with you and exploring the mystery of life with you. Yes. Yes. You've <laughs> continued. Yeah. Oh, I Thanks, hope so. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, it's Sarah. I really believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that this is affecting her entire life. That's why I've created a women's mastermind beginning in early January of 2020. What sacred truth are you ready to embody this year? Visit sarahpoet.com now and sign up for more information on this mastermind. I will be teaching, leading, and together we will be co-creating a transformational experience where every woman in this sacred circle will rise into the embodied truth of who she is. This is potent. If you can feel it and 2020 is your year to really embody your true essence, then please visit sarahpoet.com and get on the waiting list now. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected. And here's to your path of sacred remembering.